the Bavada at Odds podcast. My name is Seth Everett. I'm joined by the head odds maker at Bavada, Patrick Morrow, as we break down the latest odds in all the major sports. NFL week to week as the playoffs are upon us, we'll break down the latest odds plus the futures. It's the Bavada at Odds podcast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Sports MLB Show. Here are your hosts, the luckiest men on the face of the earth, Chase Fedorsky and Bryce Holden. Welcome to episode 103 of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show with Bryce Holden. My name is Chase Fedorsky. Spring training is officially underway. It was, I should say spring training games, actually. Spring training was officially underway last week. I probably led with the same bullshit phrase. Uh, but it was really nice to see the boys back in action, full pinstripes this past Sunday. Uh, it's the only time up until opening day that they went with the full pinstripes. They open spring training with it, and then they leave them at home until opening day. And before I forget, and before we go into mine and yours travels in the past week, I have <laughs> to give a shout out to Michael Kay, who in within the first three innings of the first Yankee broadcast of the year, gave a shout out to the one, the only, the not so living legend himself because at the bottom of Ni- cuz he's at the bottom of Niagara Falls. Yes, I totally caught that. I'm so happy I'm so happy you brought this up. Ed Delahanty got a shout out in the first Yankee broadcast of the year and I was so excited that I proceeded to text all my friends from camp except instead I texted a 3-year-old college group message that hadn't been used since I graduated. I was so enthused I texted the <laughs> wrong group of people. I was watching with um with Simon and he was super into the game and I was just running around the living room, infuriating the little dog that pissed me off for a week, uh, just screaming about Ed Delahanty. Oh, you don't know the story of Ed Delahanty? Oh my God, what is wrong with you? You call yourself a baseball fan? So, I, think, I think that put into perspective just how good DJ has been for the Yankees and that, yeah. the, and that the only comp for what DJ has done is fucking Ed Delahanty. I thought was it Ed Delahanty and Frank Robinson? I thought there was someone else. Frank Robinson is the only player to win the MVP in both leagues, I believe. But he never won batting title. Was it just D? I think DJ is the only player in the modern era because they said one of Delahanty's got taken away, um, which I don't know the full <laughs> story behind that. I mean, he is. I mean, that guy. If you think that you have a drinking problem, get help. But if you're looking for reassurance that you don't have a drinking problem, research Ed Delahanty. Every time I look at Ed, Ed Delahanty's numbers, it's so reassuring because we just think of him as like a meme. But then you look at the numbers, and he was an unbelievable hitter. He's an incredible baseball player. And I don't know. Why do you think – why do you think that Ed Delahanty does not um, – isn't mentioned as, as far as the all-time greats? That I think it's because his last year was the first year of the World Series. That's my easiest explanation. Uh, his last year was in 1903. Um, he played 42 games as a 35-year-old. I, also, I mean, look, his last year, 30, his last full season at 34 in 1902, he led the league in average on base and slugging, which is about as good as it gets. And he had 43 doubles, which led the league. Um, I think part of it is the era he played in. Um, it was, you know, pre- pre-live ball era but again pre-world series era and, and i also just think on top of it is good all-around career um but didn't get to any of the round numbers you know which granted i mean look 186 or sorry 101 home runs for the era he played in which again we were still a solid 15 years from babe ruth clobbering the baseball 101 home runs was a pretty strong career power wise led the league in homers twice um but i just think you know he finished under 1500 ribbies finished at 2600 hits and, uh, you know, ultimately played in an era that only the diehard baseball fans or people who have sat through many a Scatico campfire uh, know the tales of. We fall into the mix of the both. Yeah, we are the Venn diagram there. I mean, for what it's worth, you know I'm not married to war, but it's, it's, a, good, it, it's a good look into, it's a good look into um, comparing Hall of Famers. I mean, he's at 696 which is like right around the level for like a solid Hall of Famer. No, he, um, 
No doubt Hall of Famer. I don't think anyone, given the era, he's definitely Hall of Famer. And he's done something that took over 100 years to do. Interestingly enough, he was inducted as a player in 1945 by the Old Timers Committee and did not have an induction ceremony until 2013. 2013. So I had gone the two, I went two years prior. Yeah. I had gone, ah, I had gone was, a couple oh, years by then. Your brother would have been there that soon, that Cooper soundtrack. If only he knew. If only we knew. If only we knew. I would have, I would have done, we were in Placid. I was with, we were hanging out that year. Me and you were uh, making some questionable decisions. Well, mostly me as the supervisor in the room. We're making questionable decisions on that trip. I made my own questionable decisions on that trip, Chase. So I don't, don't, don't feel like it's all on you. Uh, for anyone listening, turns out if you are with somebody who was wearing yellow from top to bottom, um, it is really easy to convince somebody else, specifically workers at McDonald's, that the person you were with is not a mentally sound individual. And uh, for any of you listening, if I'm wearing all yellow, don't take my fucking sunglasses. <laughs> and make sure he sees Ronald McDonald. Anyway. Aside from Ed Delahanty, uh, spring training's back. And there's two. There's a couple things I want to ask you about spring training. Uh, one, from a betting standpoint, I think it's officially impossible to bet on spring training because the managers can just randomly decide in advance whether or not they want the game to be five, seven, or nine innings. And not- Yeah, I would, I would recommend taking the plus one and a half if Bovada's offering it. Just always hammer the plus one and a half because, one, you don't know who's playing. You don't know how long the games are going to go. So just take the just take the runs when you can get them. So I think that rule is pretty interesting. But what do you think of the rule? And we saw it for the first time with Garrett Richards pitching for the Red Sox in his Boston debut, that a manager after a pitcher throws 20 pitches in an inning could just end the inning regardless of the circumstance. Like I get the sentiment, but at the same time, I know these are exhibition games, but that just kind of makes a mockery of what spring training is, especially given that fans pay to see these games at the end of the day. Um, I don't know if you've looked into it. I did since I was crazy, uh, since I was in areas, since I was in Colorado and I thought it was close enough. There was rumors of me going out there. You know how much the cheapest ticket to a Dodgers game was? I looked at one game. So this might be an anomaly, but I looked at one Dodgers game for tickets. Do you know what the lowest ticket cost was? $77. $282. I'm assuming that's because of the limited capacity. But even when I went, uh, the last time I went to spring training was in 2016. Uh, I went for a couple of days in Arizona with some buddies from college. And even then, like tickets were like 45, 50 bucks. And I thought spring training ticket costs were like the equivalent of minor league baseball. So I was very surprised. That's what you think. It's, I mean, that's what it should be because spring training, because of what we, I mean, we just laid out a case that these games are, these, I don't want to say these games are garbage, but from an entertainment standpoint, you're not getting your, you're not getting major league quality production. It should be a fan experience that they shouldn't be charging $300 to watch a five-inning exhibition where you recognize zero names on the field. Especially this year where teams are only playing, you know, four to five teams within their geographic location due to COVID, uh, which leads me to my last question before we go into our first standings and statistics update of the 2021 season. Um, how do you think the Yankees are going to be affected given that the only four teams they're playing prior to the regular season are the Tigers, Blue Jays, Pirates, and Phillies, so we're talking two playoff contenders and then probably two of the, at best, five worst teams in baseball? Um, well, there's that revenge factor because Hinch is now managing the Tigers. Oh, so we want to – yeah, you're right. I want to bash their fucking faces in. Uh, but I honestly, I think baseball is one of those sports where you just need to get the reps in. doesn't really matter the competition so much. I don't think your game plan would vary too much day-to-day. It's more of the pitching matchup. So just get different looks in there. Hope you guys get enough at bats to feel ready, but aren't uh, getting hurt, especially the Yankees. Uh, along those lines, Jameson Tyone and his first appearance for the Yanks looked nasty yesterday. But I do have a bone to pick with teams in general. Fucking broadcast every single one of your spring training games. The fact that it was one o'clock on a Tuesday, having a shitty workday. All I wanted to do was watch the Yankee game, and it wasn't on TV. So instead, I had to watch the Mets. Uh, which was cool. You know, I got to watch my boy Framber Valdez pitch for the Strohs, Celan Doran in uh, Mets blue and orange for the first time. But I just don't get how every spring training game isn't broadcasted. Yeah, it doesn't – it shouldn't be that way. 
because it's again, like you said, it's a fucking one. Oh, sorry for the profanity. Oh, but I mean, one I've, o'clock. I've I've cursed at least three times in the first ten minutes of this show, so don't worry about it. Yeah, sometimes you know. I, a quick aside, I'd have to do some sort of serious deep diving and just track my profanities and which ones I apologize for. Not sure why that one got an apology. <laughs> but, but it's one o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon. You really think you have any content better than live sports? No. I mean, the Yes Network was wearing was what was airing a rerun of last night's Net Spurs game for the third time. It was a sick Maybe. game. Don't get me wrong. I wanted to if you didn't watch it. The, if you didn't watch the first two Nets Spurs games, I don't think you're going to watch it the third time. No, definitely not. And if you've already watched, I mean, probably if you've already watched it twice, you'll watch it a third time because that's just how people are wired. They like what they like. That is, that is a bad, that is a bad substitute. I agree with you there. So we will start with the standings of spring training. I'm not going to go top to bottom because it's just two leagues, but, uh, Cactus League, you got the Cubs and Dodgers and Angels undefeated at 2-0-2-0-1-0, respectively. I'm going to just go first and last. Uh, and a dead last, winless teams, Giants, Rangers, White Sox, Reds, D-backs. Of those teams, D-backs are the worst at 0-3 in the Cactus League. And in the Grapefruit League, Blue Jays and the Marlins, two wildcard teams last year, looking to make the playoffs again, 2-0 in first place. Last place, winless, Nats, Orioles, Phillies, um, the Belt area into Pennsylvania. Not great. Uh, I personally have absolutely no thoughts on these standings, but maybe you do. So you got any? Um, I liked what I, I've actually liked what I've been seeing from Toronto. I uh, I know Spring, I when they played the Yanks in the opener, Springer sat the game, but they really hit the shit out of uh, Michael Kane. Yeah, I mean, look, we'll talk about it later on when we do our top uh, top and worst off seasons. Now that spring training is officially up and running with games. Um, look, the biggest thing with the Blue Jays is even with the young guys last year, they hit the shit out of the ball. And you added two guys who are going to continue to hit the shit out of the ball on Springer and Simeon. Uh, it's just a matter of pitching for them. I mean, they have Ryu, who's going to at least appear yeah. in my top 10 starting pitcher rankings. But, you know, after Ryu, it's looking it's going to be Nate Pearson, Steven Matz, you know, nobody that really jumps off the page. They lost Taiwan Walker. Their bullpen's going to be nasty. If they could just piece together the rotation – Honestly, there's no reason with that lineup they can't compete for the East. And just one more ad on the Blue Jays. Um, their, their spring training games have a little bit more value to them than most because they will be playing regular season games in the ballpark. I guess in that way, you know, that's something I didn't even think about. That is something that's advantageous for the Yankees playing only the Blue Jays as one of their four teams. Yep. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a uh, baseball is a sport of rhythm. It's a sport of routine. So getting that uh, getting that done early, it's it's big. That that will make. I would not be shocked if the Blue Jays start. If we look up end of April and the Blue Jays are leading the American League East. Good insight there. Moving to the league leaders, four guys tied with two home runs. Willie Castro of the Tigers didn't know who he was to be honest. Uh, Todd Frazier, who signed with the Pirates. Joey Gallo and Buddy Reed of the Athletics. Uh, RBI leader is also Willie Castro with four. Your average leader is hitting 1,000, DJ Peters. Uh, And we will go with as our last offensive stat. Let's go with stolen bases. Um, A lot of guys have stolen one base. I'm not going to go down this whole list. I thought (laughs) it was going to be maybe someone with two. Uh, But while I'm switching over to pitching, Zach Greinke said his last goal of his career, he's at nine and nine right now, nine homers and nine steals, is to finish with 10 home runs and 10 steals for his career. He'd be the second pitcher, I believe, behind my boy Bob Gibson to do that. Uh, Do you think Greinke – can do it given that he pitches in the American league. Um, it's going to be tough. Definitely going to be tough. But I think if Granky is a very weird dude, uh, he'd be the first to tell you that. I think he could throw such a bitch fit. If he gets that 10th, I would expect that 10th homer to come first. And then he just throws a meltdown to get the steal. I'm actually kind of surprised that Granky has nine steals already. That that number seems high. He actually said there was one game right when he knew he was going to get traded that he deliberately tried to steal and got thrown out by feet just because he wanted to get to the total. <laughs> so you yeah. gotta you gotta respect him for that. So the I mean it won't be for lack of trying, but I think that home run has to come first. I agree. That's the more likely of the two. Uh, moving to the pitching side of things, a lot of guys have wins and zero ERAs and through two innings. 
So I'm just going to go with uh, what I think is the most differentiated stat. So strikeouts, Merrill Kelly is leading the league with five strikeouts. And whip, there are a bunch of pitchers who have not allowed a base runner yet. And they are Jake Faria of the Angels, Brandon Finnegan, who was traded for Johnny Cueto, one of our boys for the Reds, Ryan Hartman of the Astros, Anthony Kay for the Blue Jays, Nick Ramirez for the Padres, and then two of my personal favorites, Marcus Stroman and Adam Wainwright. Uh, Are there any other pitching stats you would like me to go through before we get into the news cycle? No, because these pitchers aren't pitching that much. The guys that matter, the guys that probably, the guys that matter aren't pitching right enough. I mean, I had Garrett Garrett Colder yesterday. Give some love to my boy Adam Wainwright, Bueno Wayno. Yeah, I mean, do yesterday, pretty mediocre. And how many innings was it for Wainwright? Was it one inning? Two innings. Two innings. Oh. He's a veteran. He's going back to the old school, really, really digging deep in the games. Yeah, that's another hack on Bovada. They, uh, Wainwright usually gives up runs in the first inning. That's true. He's like the king of having having rode him in fantasy baseball last year, which it's amazing that I made the championship using the phrase having rode Adam Wainwright <laughs> in 2020. Uh, he's the king of giving up a run in the first inning and then giving you the quality start of seven innings, two runs. And you look back and you're like, eh, this is pretty solid. Yeah, that's exactly what he does. He's just pretty, pretty good. Uh, speaking of a team that we think is going to be pretty good, uh, Bryce is second team. I'm going to go out on a limb and say at this point, the Royals are your second team, right? They're definitely the front runner to be the second team. It'll probably start the season with the angels because, uh, or I mean, it could be put, I mean, be spoken by last week. Is it pools last ride? Who knows? Can you root for a team in the division? I mean, the, the Orioles have the King and the dark Knight. I know. So those are the big three. Those are the three guys and the Padres. Just cause they're fun. Because they have Machado. Also fair. So the Royals started to lock up a little bit of their young core. Uh, and I can't only root for shitty teams aside from the Yankees. Yeah, the Padres are the good balance there. And you could just say you got in last year. Uh, Hunter Dozier and the Royals were in agreement on a four-year, $25 million extension with a $10 million option for 2025. And with bonuses and escalators, if they are all met, it could become a $49 million deal. Dozier's 29, three-plus years of service time. Uh, wasn't going to hit free agency until 2023. Instead, it buys out all of his arbitration years, uh, as well as one year of free agency. He was the eighth overall pick out of Stephen F. Austin University in 2013. Didn't make his debut until 2016, but in 2018, he established himself as a big slugger. Uh, he had 26 home runs, 279, 348, 522 in 2019. Exit velo, pretty strong, although the BABIP of 339. Uh, there was some expected regression there. Last year in the pandemic shortened season, 228, 344, 392, and 186 plate appearances. Uh, Again, not the strongest year, but we give a lot of guys a mulligan. And at the end of the day, even in a down year, if you had a 344 on base percentage, that's a pretty strong underlying metric. Put the OPS right around uh, 740, which, again, slightly above average. It's looking like he's going to be the third baseman there long term. Um, All in all, honestly, look, this is not a signing that's going to jump off the page, but he's a young guy. Um, and it's just another move similar to a Whit Merrifield. Obviously, I think Whit is way better than Hunter Dozier, but you know, a guy who came up late and they were able to take advantage of that for a guy who I would still say has all-star potential given what he did in 2019. He led uh, the league in triples. Are you talking about Dozier or Merrifield? Dozier. Dozier led the league in triples in 2019. Yes, he did. I didn't know he had wheels, honestly. He had 26 homers, 10 triples, 84 RBIs. All things considered, I think if you're a team like the Royals, these are the moves you need to make. You just keep locking up solid young talent. Keep building the core to the future. Uh, any other thoughts on Hunter Dozier, other than what was probably the best take in that? Who knew Hunter Dozier could run? I, yeah, that's, um, I'd say between him, Witt, and Solaire, you have three very nice pieces. You are missing a stud in that lineup. If one of their prospects pops and becomes that perennial all-star, the Royals will be a team to that it can contend. I'm going to look up real quick. The I know so many of the Royals' top prospects are pitchers. Um, they also have no pitching. They were relying on Harvey. If so you're relying on Harvey, you have no pitchers. So, they're, so looking at their top prospects, 
Uh, I am pulling up MLB.com right now. MLB.com just gave me a 500 internal server error. So we are going to try this again. Uh, I mean, the number one prospect right now is Bobby Witt Jr. His dad played in the major leagues. He's only 20. I mean, I think that is the guy that you hope pops at the middle of the order bat. Uh, but from a pitching standpoint, I mean, Daniel Lynch and Asa Lacey, both top prick, both top picks. Hopefully they're not pricks for the sake of the franchise. Um, I mean, those are your two arms right there that you're hoping to pop. Uh, two through four in their prospect rankings, all pitchers. So again, yeah, they're missing a stud, but you know, for a team that kind of reset after they won that world series, you saw that Hosmer left Mustakis Kane. Uh, really the only remnant of that team is Salvador Perez. Uh, Gordon retired you? after last year. Or two yeah. years. After last, last, year. last year was Gordon's last year. Yeah. Uh, so all things considered a pretty solid move for the Royals uh, and going hand in hand with the service time discussion. Uh, we have some interesting comment from the fallout of the Mariners debacle. Uh, do you want to start with the Garrett Cole comments or the Jared Kalenic comments? Both are juicy, but for different reasons. Let's save Cole for the end because he's the boy. All right. So Jared Kalenic, I mean, he is the guy in question right now. Um, he's a top five at worst prospect in baseball. Uh, which again, for us especially, is sweet because the Mets trade. Very funny. Yes. For very funny. Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz. Um, and again, Kevin Mather, the CEO of the Mariners, basically admitted that he turned down an extension and that was the reason he's going to start the year in the uh, minors. And Kalenic's response uh, was that his agent, Brody Schofield, told USA Today it was crystal clear the Mariners' decision uh, to not recall him to the majors of 2020 was based on service time after he turned down the extension. Kalenic said it wasn't just communicated one time to me. It was told to me several times. That's the God's honest truth. It got old. I was extremely disappointed. I worked hard all offseason. And when I got here, you have a team that is one game out of the playoffs going into the last week of the season. I know for a fact I could have helped this team out. Uh, and then the best line is, I feel that guys should be rewarded for their play and have the best guys on the field, especially when you talk about a team that hasn't gone to the playoffs in 20 years and your best prospects are there watching. Um, I think that fans are going to take the side of Kalenic because he's going to be the superstar long-term, hopefully. But if you're a fan, how do you react to this comment of basically your stud prospect saying the ownership, you've sucked for 20 years. What is going on here? I mean, it can, is, that, is that news to Mariners fans? If it is, they should start rooting for a new team. I mean, they've sucked for 20 years. There's not really much else to say there. They've been... They have not made the playoffs since I started watching baseball. Like, That's a been... crazy perspective. You've had some good insight and good perspective so far. That is a crazy piece of perspective, though. Like, yeah, they've sucked for twenty years. If I'm if I'm a Mariners fan, they're not one of those. They're not on that ever expanding list of secondary teams for me because they've been so bad. They've they're... sucked for twenty years too, and they've had transcendent players. Like they had a guy. They had Ichiro, who, Start, whose first season was in 2001. So you had, I mean, is there anyone who's, other than like maybe racism or assholes who just decide not to vote for guys? Yeah, Ichiro's on that list of potential unanimous Hall of Famers. You had Ichiro, you had Edgar Martinez, the tail end of his Hall of Fame career. Jamie Moyer was out there winning 20 games. Brett Boone was all pumped up on roids. You had King Felix in the mid-2000s. Like, it's not like there weren't good players all these years, too. You had... They had Pineda, who was really good. They've had they had Freddie. Did you say Freddie Garcia? I did not. I think part of what's crippled them is just some outlandish and terrible moves. Like they gave but Sean even, Figgins four years, traded Adam Jones for Eric Bedard. Love the Sean Figgins uh, mention, Chase. Well done. But they, I think, but it's not even like they haven't been trying, which makes it all the more upsetting. But they gave Cano and a, a lot of money. They gave Nelson Cruz a lot of money. I want to say Trumbo made an appearance in Seattle. They, they've had quality players. They just haven't been able to piece it together. So, yeah, they've sucked forever for a long time. Their top I, prospects is going to be pissed. I got one more guy that gave a lot of money, too, that we both left out. Let's not forget that slam dunk Hall of Famer Adrian Beltre also got paid to play in Seattle for four years, and his career was almost ruined because of it. Yeah, that's weird. That shouldn't happen because Adrian Beltre mashed every other place he went. I mean, he, he had that 0-4 year with the Dodgers, 48 homers, finished second to Bonds in the MVP voting, the four years in Seattle purgatory, rebounded in Boston, had that monster all-star year, and then punched his ticket to Cooperstown with Texas. Yeah, so that, that was a good one, too. I'm, I'm thinking if there's anyone else I'm forgetting on the Mariners. 
They also did they end up with like Hayes, they traded for Hazes Montero who got popped for Royce. Um, yeah, but Pineda got popped for Pine Tar, so those kind of evened themselves out, and then got popped for Royce when he was no longer a Yankee. Yeah, but I think Montero just kind of sucked forever. Like Pineda's still a quality pitcher. Like you can like even today you can still roll Pineda out there for 150 innings. They had Paxton. They had Paxton, but they, well, they got Paxton back. They got Paxton back. They probably won the Paxton trade with the Yankees, to be honest. Justin Sheffield looks like he's going to be pretty solid long term. Yeah, so Kaletic, I he was probably, I mean, as we seem to talk about every, there's a new thing every other week with the Mets, but um, Kaletic, you usually want to try to get out of there. You want to get out of the Mets organization? Probably not to Seattle. Garrett Cole, to echo Kalenic's points, he just pretty much said, and again, uh, Cole is one of eight players on the MLBPA executive subcommittee. He urged every player to wake up and read the news on the guys and Mariners. It's tired, man, and I think the players are over it. And if they haven't been awakened to that type of behavior, that's what goes on. Those conversations are being had, and unfortunately, that's kind of the way clubs are acting. Uh, right now, it is March 2nd. We are a full month out from the regular season beginning. Um, I'm going to put the odds right now that there's going to be a lockout this year, especially in light of this. I'm this go, year, we're going into next year. Going into next year, at the end of the year. I'm going to go minus 300. Am I being too generous or not harsh enough? Minus 300, that's a, that's tough. Bovada's not, giving a, Bovada's not giving you plus 250 on there will be a full Major League Baseball season. I think there's going to be a lockout. And that's where this guy just fucked up so badly is – before it was all hearsay, you know, oh, the teams are doing this, teams are doing that. Now you have the CEO of a club point blank being caught saying it. Yeah, I can't believe he did that. Which I am no lawyer, but I do think this would hold up in a court of law. Yeah, it's not hearsay. You don't want to hearsay is usually the, uh, the old defense out of it. And there's not much you can do if you're trying to go with the uh, beyond a reasonable doubt. Hearsay is enough to consider anything reasonable doubt. Um, but this is tangible on the record evidence. Not good. Not good indeed. And uh, some more fallout from a situation that's not good. Um, the Athletic came out with another report today involving the Mickey Calloway harassment allegations. Uh, and before I even go into deep, uh, you know, detail on what was reported today, which digs both the Indians and Calloway in a bigger hole, I just want to ask you point blank. I know the investigation is pending, uh, but it's pretty clear Mickey Calloway is a serial harasser of women. How have the Angels not fired this guy yet? Like, to the Mets' credit, as soon as the Jared Porter report went public, they fired him within 24 hours. I, and I, I is Callaway that – not that it justifies it, but do people think he's that good of a pitching coach that he still has a job? I mean, I mean, that's probably what it is. That's not what I would do, and I don't believe that's what you would do. But uh, people are stupid. People rally behind – I mean, this is like a, this is a relatively juvenile way to, to to say this, but the the easiest and most universally understood ways people have their boys back. People like Mickey Calloway. No, but I mean, it, look, you you actually hit the nail on the head. Um, additional women came forward in the athletic report that Calloway made unwanted advances toward them, but the specific one uh, that was details the husband of a woman with whom Calloway was having a consensual extramarital affair with uh, repeatedly contacted the Indians organization in major league baseball in 2017 about pornographic material uh, sent to his wife. The report contains quotes from a recorded conversation between the wife and a Cleveland based attorney indicating that these issue had been presented to manager uh, Terry Francona of the Cleveland Indians and Chris Andonetti and general manager, Mike Chernoff were both aware of the man's complaint against Callaway with a league security official also involved. Uh, the husband also managed to contact the Mets in August 2018 to make the same complaint with Callaway's new uh, organization. Uh, and then what I'm going to read next is an exact quote from the article, just because it shows the ridiculous of, uh, ridiculousness of it. Um, the husband continued to call the Indians fan service department where a low-level employee would answer and route the call to the team's PR and communication staff. At some point later that summer, the husband was calling so frequently, basically every day, according to a source, that the team's PR and communication staff brought the matter to the attention of Francona, GM Chernoff, and Adonetti. The issue was addressed with him by the three-ranking baseball official, said a former employee. That summer, the woman in Arizona, the woman having an affair, spoke on the phone with Tom Mannion, a partner at a Cleveland law firm. Callaway shouldn't have done it. He's wrong. He knows that, Mannion said during one call, which the wife recorded in August 2017. 
man, you continued. I've actually talked to Francona and what he told me, he was willing to talk to your husband and you. And he said, this has cost Mickey huge financially. It has cost him huge within the organization, but also said, Tom, I'm not losing my pitching coach. Mannion at one point said if a phone call from Francona would make her husband feel better and that he had sensed the Indians had punished Callaway, finding him an excess of $100,000, expressing concern about the possibility the husband would make public photos and or video Callaway sent to his wife. Uh, another called, this is separate now, another person called Callaway's behavior the worst kept secret in the organization and both a current and former Mets employee made clear to the athletic that several in the organization were made aware of Callaway's behavior. Additionally, a former Indians employee said that Antonetti's claim that there were no complaints regarding Callaway uh, filed to him, human resources, or other organizational leaders hit me the wrong way due to the widespread knowledge within the organization of Callaway's behavior. So let's start with the obvious. Mickey Callaway's never working in baseball again, correct? You'd think, but if all these people, I, was, I mean, look, he'll be out. This seems to be the, the final straw. Uh, so once the Angels get rid of him, I can't see another organization bringing him on. So what do you do now, you know, if you're Major League Baseball, you know, look, I think this is this reflects poorly on Mike Chernoff or Chris Antonetti, the leadership dynamic in the Indians as president and GM, uh, especially because they point blank said that it hadn't been brought to their attention. And obviously that wasn't the case. And multiple employees will corroborate on that fact. Uh, to me, though, you and I talked before the podcast, um, Terry Francona, uh, even for me and you as diehard Yankee fans, we love Terry. I mean, this is a guy who has consistently been not only one of the best managers in baseball, but I would say one of the most consistently well-liked guys throughout the game. Um, and the fact that he brushed aside multiple harassment allegations for the sake of keeping his pitching coach, um, we like to say life is all about apt optics. This is a really bad optic. It's terrible optics for Francona. Um, it doesn't seem like something he would do. I mean, we... Again, I said this is what we spoke about this afternoon. Manage the 04 team. Probably the worst thing I've ever had to sit through as a as a sports fan. The Yankees collapse in 04. Yeah. You, I, I, I say it openly. It was the worst game I've ever been to. The only bright light was that I met Corey Schwartz for the first time at that game. I mean, I'm sure that Corey Schwartz meeting could have happened at another time. But the point being, Terry Francona has to know better. But I guess this kind of stems back to what we spoke about with Sandy Alderson. Um, are, are, is Terry Francona too old to be in charge of a baseball team? Are, are these people who are these people? It seems like there's a, the trend is that it's old white men who seem to be unaware and have no um, and don't have the pulse on society anymore. And just they don't have a basic sense of what's right and wrong. What Mickey Calloway did for years, it seems, and has been doing it. I, I have no evidence to suggest he stopped doing it for years. They've kept this guy around, but um, you got to wake up and just see, you have to, you have to dissociate from this guy and get him out of baseball. And he's another guy that needs help. If he keeps doing this, get him help and get him away from people. It's just, uh, yeah, I, I think what you, what you said about old white men kind of hits the nail on the head. I mean, look, it's a, it's an issue we're encountering across society, but you know, look, it's it's another – it's just another black mark uh, for the game, for a guy like Mickey Calloway. Um, but it just shows you don't really know – you don't really know what's really going through people's minds until you hear a report like this because if we had – prior to yesterday, we both would have just said, good guy, Terry Francona, and now we hear, you know, he brushed allegations under the rug for a pitching coach. Um, pretty terrible. So we'll see how this all plays out, but credit to the athletic for what's just been very strong, consistent reporting throughout this and uh, giving a lot of people a voice who wouldn't have it anyway. Um, another, this is a bad transition, but another old white guy who seems like a great guy, intense as hell, uh, and has been nothing but successful as a manager in the MLB. Uh, that is Brian Snitker and the Atlanta Braves announced that they have signed him to a two-year contract extension through the 2023 season with a club option for 2024. It's a second straight spring with an extension for Snitker, although the additional two years and a club option for a third makes a stronger void of confidence than last year's one-year extension. Snitker's 65. He's a Braves lifer who spent more than four decades in the organization, including the past five as the big league sp uh, skipper. Took, took over in Atlanta midway through the 2016 season after the dismissal of Freddie Gonzalez. He was 72-90 and 90 in his first full season in 2017, but since then, three straight division titles, 578 winning percentage, three or 262 and 162 record over that frame, and overall 353 and 317 record 
as manager of the Braves, 2018 NL manager of the year. Last year, made it to the NLCS, lost in seven games to the Dodgers. Tough, um, tough. Blew a 3-1 lead. Don't, don't leave that out. Blew a 3-1 lead, which we kind of all knew was going to happen, and that was the worst part. <laughs> I, I think yeah. sense, there was no way the Dodgers weren't going to come back, which sucks. Um, I think, was it game five where they put up like 10 runs in the first inning, or was that game six? I don't remember. I remember the Braves against the Cardinals. Are you thinking of Braves? Did that happen with the Dodgers after they did that with the Cardinals in game five, 2019? That was – well, the Braves, really? the Braves lost to the Cardinals in 2019. Yeah, they gave up 12 runs in the first. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, that was probably the end of Mike fulton as a big league pitcher, that game. Like, you could point to that game. Um, I Look, I think with Snitker – and uh, I, I feel the same way with Mike Schilt in St. Louis – uh, you know, I look, these guys are older, but I do think there's so much value. And granted, those teams have won over the past few years, but there is a lot of value, I think, in going, you know, skewing a big name for a guy who ultimately worked his way up with the system through the system with his players. And that's what we've seen in Atlanta. You know, all these guys, yeah. Freddie and the homegrown talent, they played first in it. Gurr and I, and I'd like to think in my mind, that's part of the reason the team's been so successful, that and just an unbelievable lineup. Yeah, I would say that the three-year extension makes sense for Snicker. You get, you reward him for three straight division titles. Uh, you reward him for bringing up guys like Acuna and Albies, giving them their starts as all-stars really young in their career. Um, so you give him three more cracks at it, and then if, if he's not able to at least get to the World Series, you move on. But you got to give him, you give him some more time. Yeah, you reevaluate from there. Uh, you know, I think the one thing Snicker does have going for him too is uh, – in a weird way, winning the division is enough for the Braves just because that division's so deep that I think more so than any team in baseball, that is an accomplishment in of itself. Uh, but it we'll is see. until it isn't. I mean, they're, again, they're, their core is still young. But once they have to start checking, and they still have Acuna, Acuna and Albies on those great contracts. Once, once you get to a point where it's, can this Braves nucleus get it done? Acuna's not going to go. Albies isn't going to go. The manager's going to go. One more note on the Braves that I think is interesting. They're the only publicly traded company uh, or only publicly traded team in Major League Baseball since they're owned by the publicly traded Liberty Media Corporation. Um, and they went public with their operating loss of $49 million in 2020. Uh, and that was from the year before they generated $476 million in revenues and $54 million in profit. So we're talking right around a $100 million swing. Um, how much do you think that affects any negotiating in the CBA? given that this is now, you know, relatively concrete evidence that a team lost out on quite a bit of money because of the pandemic? Uh, or do you think this is just an example where it's one team's numbers, you need the other 29 to go public before you can make any real conclusion? I mean, I think that's the point of collective bargaining. Both sides are supposed to point to, um, are supposed to, point to things they need improved. But like we said throughout the show, throughout, throughout this show, that this – Path two weeks ago, three weeks ago, months ago, years ago, um, the players have a lot more ammo to go at the owners than the Braves losing $100 million because people weren't watching TNT. You were correct there. Uh, one guy who stands to cash in when there's a new CBA is reigning AL Cy Young winner Shane Bieber. Uh, he's 25 years old. Last year, he led the majors. He led the majors and wins ERA and strikeouts during the shortened season. Uh, and he said he is open to an extension with the Indians. The Indians do not seem like they are such in such a hurry to sign him. Uh, he hasn't even been arbitration eligible yet, so he's making 575 grand this year. Uh, but what do you think an extension if these talks happen? Uh, what Shane Bieber looks like. Let's say they buy out three years of arbitration and three years of free agency, take Bieber from age 26 to age 32 season. Uh, what do you think that extension looks like? In my mind, the floor has to be, assuming Bieber bounces back and does what he did last year, I think the floor has to be six for 90. I was going to go way over. Holy shit. I was, we are not on the same page. I was going to say 10 for 250. Wow. Did you see him last year? He was the best pitcher in baseball. I wasn't even close. No, I know. I also have to keep in mind that this is the Indians. Um, yeah, the, I don't know if the Cleveland Professional Baseball Club is going to – I don't know if the extension is with the Cleveland Professional Baseball Club. So I said 6 for 90. You said 10 for 250. So the middle ground there is 8 for 170. Um, I actually yeah. don't hate that. 20, that's a, 21 and a half million a year? 
Let's go with that. Eight for one. Yeah, seven. I like that. Yeah, good. This was good. I like, yeah, that, that sounds right. Too. That, that sounds perfect. Good dialogue. And then that puts him through his age 34 season. So he can make one nice contract on the back end. Yeah, it gets every if he keeps, and I mean, he'll be traded probably with a player option though at year four or five. Maybe an opt out somewhere too. I would say you go, I'd say you go, you give him an opt out, you backload the contract because you give him an opt out. So another guy, big contract, AL Central. That was really good GM work by us. Look at us. Uh, guy who's approaching two milestones in the AL Central and is coming up towards the end of his massive contract is Miguel Cabrera. He said one of his goals for this year uh, is to get to 500 home runs and 3,000 hits. He needs 13 homers and 134 hits to get there. Uh, so I would think a healthy Miggy gets to both totals this year. Yeah, I mean, how sad is it that those are his goals and we even have to debate if they're achievable? He's got one the triple crown, two MVPs. So all that said, I mean, looking at Miggy's career numbers, I mean, the, the fall off. Miggy, Miggy's another guy. I think I've mentioned this with, with Ichiro. Miggy's another guy that will be in the discussion for unanimous Hall of Fame. I, think, I don't think he gets I think, it. I think the DUI has hurt him. He does. He is bad behind the wheel. He is bad behind the wheel. And then pretty much negative defensive value throughout his career. But let's yeah, see. I, you know, I don't know if that's so true about Miggy. I think he was a solid first base. He moved to third when they had to bring on Prince Fielder. Um, and he, I think he came up in left field on the Marlins. So Miggy for his career, he's going to cross 503,000. The average is going to, let, let's just say for argument's sake, you know, right now he's at 313, 391, 540. OPS is 931. Uh, it won't finish that high, but. Uh, Miggy also, for what it's worth, he's got three years left on that contract. He's at 1729 RBIs, 2000 RBIs. Isn't completely out of the question. No, I mean, I'm just looking at his last full the last 162 game season for this guy. And he only had 12 homers. That's not good. So let's say Miggy finishes with over 3000, over 500 home runs, career 300 hitter. Let's say he gets 2000 RBIs for the sake of this exercise. Triple crown, 11-time All-Star, World Series champ, two-time MVP, four-time batting champ. Top. He's a four-time batting champ? Four-time batting champ. And, like, legit batting champs. The le- the no, these numbers are high. I'm looking at the baseball 344, record. 330, 348, 338. Uh, led the league in on base percentage four times. So just for the sake of this discussion, is Miggy a top, at worst, top 10 right-handed hitter of all time? At worst? Um, I know we would need to be that's like so crazy. That's such a, I think what he has going for him is that to me, three of the best hitters ever, maybe my top three ever are all lefty. I'll put it this way for me. Um, did he, he played in the steroid era and you've never heard him, his name connected to steroids once. Never. Um, I mean, I just think he's kind of, Right. I mean, how close is his career to pools? Yeah. It's not pools. The counting numbers are less. I think you have to, I think you have to, the, it's hard to say because pools counting numbers are going to be higher, but when all is said and done, Miggy's slash numbers, I think are going to be much better. Miggy won the triple crown. He was the first person with a triple crown in like 60, 70 years. I mean, you want to talk about a peak and, and granted this. So this peak is from 2004 to 2016. So we're talking 13 years, Miggy's second year in the bigs through 2016. He averaged 33 homers, 115 ribbies, 323 average, 402 on base, and won four batting titles and two MVPs. That's a peak. That's two peaks. So shout out to Miggy. I hope you get to both milestones. Um, before we get into some rankings, some offseason wrap-ups, wrap and a little bit of discussion about war, um, Peter Gammons wrote a very interesting article for The Athletic, and it was all about the idea of how to protect starting pitchers um, Andrew Friedman, the manager of the defending or the GM of the defending world series champions, Dodgers, who probably has ad de- ad, probably have as deep of a rotation of any starting rotation in baseball. Uh, he pretty much said is I might be stupid, but I have no idea how the season pans out. It is unprecedented. Uh, we are coming off a 60 game season. That was extremely difficult for everyone are now hoping to play 162 games. And for context, the Dodgers have seven starters, including Trevor Bauer, uh, throw 325 and two thirds innings in 2020. Um, and the entire pitching staff, including the postseason, threw 699. The year before, if you include the postseason, they threw 1,490 and two thirds innings. 
if you're a team, how are you going to go about protecting your starting pitchers and getting the necessary length to get through 162 games? I know there isn't an answer, but I'm just curious to hear some of your thoughts since we've had our GM caps on throughout the show. Um, yeah, I, I don't really like protecting starting pitchers. Um, I'll, I'll make a basketball analogy. I always like what Tibbs does because um, Tibbs just says, yeah, here are my best guys. I'm going to play my best guys. So I would rather see stuff. I would rather see my best guys on the field at all times. Uh, that being said, I know Bauer wants to go every four. Bauer wanted to go every four days. That won't happen. That's ridiculous. Yeah, uh, from what we know today on technology um, and human science. So how would I protect the starting pitchers? I would just get better starting pitchers so they don't have to throw so many pitches per inning. What do you think about that answer? That makes sense to me. Why don't you just have good pitchers that can throw a bunch of innings and not damage your team if you have to keep them in the ballgame late? All right, so starters need to sack up. I'm okay with that. Uh, before we do our offseason wrap-up and some rankings, uh, there was this list on MLB.com about every team's most valuable player who have uh, compiled the most war with the franchise. Um, and some are pretty obvious. You know, you have the Orioles who are like Chris Davis. You have your longevity guys like a Chris Davis for the Orioles or Kevin Kiermaier for the Rays, Brett Gardner for the Yanks. You have your studs like Bogarts for the Red Sox. Uh, but then there's a few that I thought were really interesting, so I wanted to ask you. Who do you think is the Blue Jays' current leader in war for the franchise? I just pulled up the article, and I'm staring right at the Blue Jays. I will not look any further into the article. But Kevin Biggio, were you surprised that there was nobody else? <sighs> not really. I mean, I, I who's – they don't have Joey Bats anymore. And they don't have Kevin Pillar. So, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. It's just crazy. Uh, Are AL there Sen- pitchers on this list, or is this just him? This is everybody. Okay. I think so. I should probably read that order. Yeah, there's pitchers on this. Um, AL Central, no surprise. Jose Ramirez in Cleveland. Salvador Perez in Kansas City. Miggy for the Tigers. Jose Abreu for the White Sox. Who do you think it is for the Twins? Ooh. Is it Buxton? Max Kepler. Mm, I'm going to go with Buxton. Angels, Trout, no surprise. Astros, Altuve, A's, Matt Chapman. Mariners, Longevity, another guy, Kyle Seager. Who do you have for the Rangers? I mean, I almost would think it's Gallo by default. Gallo by default is correct. Uh, Braves, Freddie Freeman, Mets, DeGrom, Nats, Ryan Zimmerman, uh, Phillies, Nola. I would have had Scherzer if you asked about the Nationals. Okay. Who do you have for the uh, Scherzer's point one war behind Zimmerman? Ah. Who do you have for the Marlins? Miggy? Brian Anderson. <laughs> Would not have gotten that. Who do you have for the Brewers? Is it Hader? Christian Yelich. Big impact on those two and whatever last year was. Pirates is Adam Frazier, Reds, Votto, uh, Cubs and Cardinals. Are you sure it's not Todd Frazier after hit that home run in spring training? It could be at this point, which is very sad. Uh, Cubs and Cardinals, two teams with a lot of veterans. Who do you got on each? Uh, Cubs, Rizzo. Correct. Cardinals, Carpenter. Oh, it's guys. Oh, Matt Carpenter. It is uh, Adam Wainwright. What Matt Carpenter? NL probably West. Should have, probably NL- should have NL West, D-backs, Cattell Marte, Dodgers, Kershaw, Giants, Posey, Rockies, Trevor Story. And I will leave you with this one. Of all of the Padres on this team, all the studs, who leads the team? Who leads with the most war on the Padres? Probably not one of the studs. I would – Hosmer? I know he has an extra year on people. Will Myers. Will Myers, okay. Yeah, Will Myers is a good player that has a couple extra – it won't be Will Myers for long. No, it's going to be Tatis after this year, maybe Machado, but we'll see. Uh, we're going to do some wrap-ups and some rankings. Uh, so let's start with our off-season wrap-up for the best and the worst off-seasons. Uh, we'll do five worst, ten best. I will start with the five worst. This is in no order. Uh, just tell me if you had each of these teams on the list. Uh, the Rockies. I think they have the worst off-season. I, th- I would agree they had the worst off-season. The Pirates. They also had a tough offseason. They traded all their good players. The Indians. Um, the Cleveland Baseball Club, they had. They also traded their best player, and uh, today did not make their case any stronger. I went with the Cubs because I just think they got rid of a lot of talent and didn't bring a ton back in. 
I would agree with the Cubs. And my last one is going to be, they made a lot of moves, but they didn't sign an ace. I'm going to go with the Angels. Uh, with today's Mickey Calloway news, the Angels pick, that, that makes that pick better. But the t- I see in parentheses, you wrote out the Reds. I would probably go with the Rays because they traded away Blake Snell and lost them. And Rosarina. I don't know what the hell's going on with the Rosarina. And they lost Charlie Morton. They lost Morton and Snell, which, that's yeah, Morton's good, for. That, that's a good call. I just give the Rays benefit of the doubt, but you, you're definitely right. Yeah, give them the benefit of the doubt, but they lost Snell. I mean, if there's anyone you want going for five and a third inning in game six, it's Blake Snell. So, so top ten best. I think there's a few consensus here, but uh, you had the Padres. Padres crushed it, always. You had the Dodgers. Unfortunately, they get, the rich got richer. PR debacles aside, you have to have the Mets. Uh, PR debacles aside, yes. I think their biggest move is selling the team. Um. They only made one move, but you got a top 10 position player. Got to be the Cardinals. I mean, also, again, similarly to who did I give something to by default earlier? But the Cardinals have it by default based on the rest of the division. I went with the White Sox. Just I think what they did early was enough. Um, the White Sox did good early, but they – I mean, are you that sold on La Russa? I guess you are. No, but I think they filled their need. I actually, I mean, look, Larusa for all his flaws, I, I don't think anyone doubts his ability. To you got a Hall of Fame manager, my boy Lance Lynn, and the best closer. A legitimate Hall of Fame base, a legitimate Hall of Fame manager, a manager who's actually in the Hall of Fame already as a manager. Polarizing offseason, but I went with the Yanks. I, I think the, the I would I do not have the I I just think there's two. There's they went into the offseason with a question mark and who's going to pitch behind Cole, and we still have. A ton of question marks. Who's going to? Play? I went with the blue. I went with the Blue Jays. And blue Jays, Cy Springer, best guy, uh, best guy on the board. I went with the Braves. You brought back Ozuna, and I love the Charlie Morton addition. Morton's huge. He's super forgettable. I forgot about him with the Rays talk earlier, but yeah, no, that's a great sign for a team that should be in the postseason. And then my last team, I've been singing their praises all offseason. The Nationals filled every single one of their needs. No, they did. They they had an agenda and they hit the agenda, which is important. There's one team. Yeah, I for, hmm. you ha, I, you didn't mention a team I was thinking about. My honorable no. mentions were the A's because I think even though they lost Simeon and Hendricks, you added Rosenthal to that bullpen, um, and I like it. Oh, it was the Brewers. It was the Brewers. Solid, um, low-key, solid offseason. Low-key, solid offseason. Getting Locaine back and Colton Wong has not – Colton Wong is solid at what he does. I also have the Twins for my honorable mention. You brought back Nelson Cruz. I like Simmons. Uh, the Phillies, you kept Harper happy, brought back JT and Didi. And I think the highest of all my honorable mentions is the Royals. I mean, we've spoken about it. I really like what they did with that lineup. Yeah, I, you know, I'm, you don't have to sell me on the Royals. I like the Royals. All right. Next, we are going to do our top 10 position players and pitchers. Um, so I'll just go top 10 in order for position players, and you just chime in when the list starts to deviate. So Trout one. I'm just going to – I kind of just went off your list and made some edits. So, yes, Trout is one. All right, then I'll just go with my list. I want Trout one, Mookie two. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, I'm pulling up. Yeah, Trout – yes, Trout, Mookie. Um, then of the big three young guys, I went uh, Acuna, Soto, Tatis. Yeah, I, um, I don't have any problems there. I love Acuna. He's my guy. Uh, to me, Nolan Arenado was the most underranked player of the top 100 for MLB Network. I have him six. I have him seven. I moved Machado up to six because I love Machado. So then I have Bellinger, Yelich, seven, eight. Um, yeah, that all checks out. Freddie Freeman, nine, and Rendon, 10. Machado would probably be amongst my just missed. I'd have Freeman on the list over uh, Rendon. Just because I feel like Rendon, I, there's something with him where I have to see him do it in the, in the Angels uniform. I did not watch any of the Angels last year because I kept losing games. I agree. But I'm, I would not be shocked if Rendon ends up on my list going into next year. Top 10 starting pitchers. Jacob DeGrom. Yeah, at this point, you can't really, you can't really say anyone's better than DeGrom. I went DeGrom, Cole, Bieber as my one, two, three. Yeah, I should probably have Bieber ahead of Cole, but I'm a Yankees fan. I mean, what Bieber did last year was really incredible. Four through seven, or four through six, I have. This is where we start to get a little different. I have Scherzer, Bauer, Darvish. Yeah, I actually went Scherzer, Kershaw, Snell. I think Snell is going to be so lethal out, to, out in Petco Park. I have Bueller, Kershaw, 7-8, and then Ryu, Giolito, 
Yeah, I put Glasnow up there, kind of a projection pick. I know you liked him a lot last year. It's my boy. Then I went, I went with a guy I'm banking on a comeback seat. I feel like it's very forgettable that Chris Sale missed last year. You um, can say the same thing about Steven Strasburg too, I think, in that 10 hole. Yeah. Um, I mean, Chris Sale, when Chris Sale's healthy, I mean, how good is – you know that Chris Sale is very good at baseball. Oh, of course. Uh, so I trust him. And then the other person I added to the list, um, you know what? I had Giolito Bauer running up. Giolito, I picked him in the Cy Young last year. Will I pick him again this year? TBD. I don't think so. I don't think so. TBD. All right, top five by position now. Uh, some of these positions are shallow, so bear with us. Sha-la-la-la-la-la-la. Uh, top five catchers, I had in order Real Muto, Salvador Perez, Grandal, Will Smith, Travis Darnold. Yeah, that checks out. No issue. No complaints from me. First base, I went uh, – first base is surprisingly not deep. It's um, very – yeah, no, I've noticed that. First base has gotten a lot weaker over the year. I went – I went Because you, you want to put Votto – Pujols and Miggy on the list, but you can't. Um, I went. Can't. I went. Freddie Goldschmidt, Jose, Luke Voigt, Max Muncy. Yeah, you left Olsen off the list. Um, oh, I do love Matt Olsen. I think he's going to yeah. be a monster this year. He's going to be yeah. my number six until he has the monster year. So I, I have Olsen on that list instead of who did Muncy. I take off? Um, instead of yeah. Second base, I have DJ Brandon Lau, Altuve, Albies, and Jeff McNeil. Yeah, I took Brandon Lau off the list because I don't really like Tampa Bay. But I so I replaced him with Biggio. Also, hindsight 2020, probably would have put Cattell Marte on this list. Shortstop, probably the hardest. Short and third are the two hardest, in my opinion. Yeah, um, shortstop's tough. I want Tatis, Story, Lindor, Seager, Turner. No Tim Anderson, no Bogarts, no Correa, no Glaber. I put Anderson. I put Tim Anderson third. I went Tatis. Actually, I got to read this. I'd go ten, Tatis, Lindor, Anderson, Story, Seager. So no Actually, I'd, I'd go Seager. I'd no Turner. I'd go Seager four coming off a of World Series MVP. And then um, story five because I don't know. I mean, he, he has negative protection in that lineup. Third, I think team, team play the Rockies are better off intentionally walking story every half the season. Third base and right field, you talk about monster masters. Third base, you have, I, for me at least, Arenado, Rendon, Jose Ramirez, Machado, Bregman. If I had to take a guess for you, it would be – Arenado, Machado, Ramirez, Rendon, Bregman. It is Machado, Arenado, Rendon, Jose, and Chapman. Okay. Can I give this one up to the A's? All right. Right field. I mean, this is a murderer's row. Um, I went, I'm going to go, I'm going to change this to match my previous ranking. Mookie, Acuna, Soto, Judge, Harper. I go Acuna, Mookie, Soto, Harper, Judge. Judge hasn't stayed healthy for me. Judge keeps missing time. I can't trust him to do 162. When he's healthy, I mean, going into – if Judge puts together a 150-game season, he could be number one on this list, and that wouldn't be a shocker. But Center field, I want Trout, Bellinger, Springer, uh, Ramon Laureano, and Starling Marte. I went Trout. Trout, Bellinger, the rest. I just went Trout. I mean, the rest – he is head and shoulders above everyone else. Probably Bellinger, too. Left field. Bellinger's, too, but huge gap. Left field, I want Yelich, Ozunia, Michael Brantley, uh, Eloy Jimenez, and Dom Smith. Left field had to do a little bit of digging, but at least all those guys can hit baseballs pretty nicely. Yeah, no, that's a good list. I'm really sold on Clint Frazier now after he wore a mask last season. That was big for me. Big character jump. Uh, relief pitchers, amaz- amazingly enough, uh, I didn't have Josh Hader in here, so I'm going to have to change this. I'm going to go Liam Hendricks, Devin Williams, uh, Nick Anderson, Josh Hader, Trevor Rosenthal with Drew Pomeranz as my honorable mention. Uh, but again, relief pitchers is such a crapshoot that you can ask me this question in a month and it might be something different. Yeah, relief pitchers, relief pitchers are tough. You also have Chapman off the list. I want to put him as a top five reliever right now. Doesn't perform in big games. I know he sucks in big games, but he's only sucks in big games. He's really good in other games. That's a big red flag to me. It should be. You notice it got like I'm not, I'm, uh, I'm in Chicago, um, so I'm not I'm not recording on my home turf. It got incredibly dark, and I don't know how to turn the lights on. 
So Chase, I'm gonna let you talk for the next 30 seconds while I figure out the links. All right, uh, so moving away into our next topic, uh, to wrap up, we're gonna talk about, and I was thinking about this the other day, is what would be, and I think we've done some variation of this, but what would be the all-time team of the best player we've seen in each position in our lifetime? Uh, so we'll set it at like 2002 onwards, just for argument's sake. I mean, my catcher is Posey. I know you don't have Posey. Um, so you started with Posey, a catcher. I think that's a totally fair choice. I went with Joe Mauer just because for me, he's the most well-rounded catcher we've ever seen in our lifetime. But I mean, Posey, again, first five years, three rings, MVP, batting title speaks for itself. Posey's a winner, man. I think in the infield, go. infield, we probably had a lot of overlap. Pujols at first. Infield, it's really hard for me not to. I mean, I'll just tell you what I did. Yeah, Pujols at first, and then I went all Yankees the rest of the way. Don't you know Robbie Cano at second? Yep. So interesting. I had A-Rod at short, not third base. I don't remember A-Rod at short well enough. I have A-Rod at short uh, as much as I love Jeter. And then third base, I wanted to put Chipper Jones. But similar to how you don't remember shortstop A-Rod, like – I don't remember peak Chipper Jones, but I do remember peak Adrian Beltre being really good at everything. So I have Beltre there. That's fair. You could have also gone Miggy. Yeah. Outfield, I have uh, – to me, uh, there's uh, there's so many ways you could do this, but I went Bonds, Trout, Ichiro. Yeah, I went Bonds. Bonds, I don't really remember him super great, but you don't have to – but, I mean, it's very Bonds. The, all he did was hit homers. He was probably the best player. Until Trout. So Trout also makes the team. And then I tried to reward winners. So I put Manny as my third outfielder. And you I, love Manny. That I makes love sense. Manny. Yeah. I mean, relief pitcher is Mo, so we're not going to spend any time on that. Relief pitcher, no. Starting pitchers, we, went, we, were, we were different. So starting pitchers, I want to give an honorable mention to Greg Maddox. He was so dominant in the 90s, early 2000s, but I just don't remember the dominance. Um, but two older guys, three older guys who I do remember the dominance for are Randy Johnson, Roger Clemens, Pedro Martinez. And then to round them up, I got two guys from the recent era, both three-time Cy Young winners, uh, Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer. In fact, every single pitcher in my rotation has won at least three Cy Youngs, I just realized. Yeah, I um, I put Verlander on mine because he, I know he only has one Cy Young, or two, he only has two Cy Youngs, but an MVP, so it kind of balances out. And three no-hitters. So I went unit because I love the big unit. Hilarious nickname. Uh, Kershaw, he's the king. Scherzer, three Cy Youngs in a ring. Verlander, two Cy Youngs and MVP in a ring. Um, and then my last guy, short peak. I'm sure, I'm going to give my honorable mention to Johan Santana because for a stretch he was the best in baseball. And uh, as, went, as we discussed a few weeks ago, if he had just won that Cy Young over Bartolo, boy, does the narrative shift quite a bit. Uh, so but my five spot, I put two Cy Youngs, three rings, two no-hitters, Big time Timmy Jim. Arguably the best this is Sports Center commercial. I agree. Can't argue against Tim Lincecum. That is all I got this week. Any thoughts for this week's uh, conclusion? Get your flu shots, and um, I'll be back in New York. Apparently my flight is on Saturday. I, hopefully I make it. I, I'm, I'm coming home. San Francisco, thank you for a great couple days. You got the Yaz shirt? Dude, so, all right, quick, quick rant. Before I go on the quick rant, shout out to the New York Knicks. We're heading into the All-Star break, 18 and 17, four seed in the East. It's been a crazy year, but this ranks near the top in terms of the craziness. Did I get the Yaz shirt? Um, I went to, first of all, did you know that AT&T Park is now Oracle Park because the Warriors Oracle is now the Chase Center? Yeah. Very confusing. I went to Oracle Stadium. I went to the store, took a picture next to a bunch of the statues. Their wall of fame is ridiculous. Ryan Vogelsong is on the Giants Wall of Fame, which uh, my friend – my friend Cab, who I was with, uh, you could see he didn't know what he was getting into because I was immediately bitching about that. But whatever, that's separate conversation. I go into the store, and the only jersey they had was Posey. They had jerseys of Yastrzemski, Alex Dickerson, and a couple other guys, uh, but no T-shirts. But they did have six T-shirts uh, with Metallica in the San Francisco Giants. I don't really love either enough to have bought the shirt. And they also had the most racially insensitive socks I've ever seen. They were 49er socks that depicted Nick Bosa as a black man. If you watch football, you know Nick Bosa is a white man. Did you take a picture of the socks? I did not take a picture of the socks. My buddy, who's a Niners fan, did. Please, uh, please get me a picture. Uh, they were so insensitive that even I couldn't take a picture. Um, so go Knicks. 
Thank you, San Francisco. I did not get a Mike Yastrzemski shirt. I take it I forgot to ask you to get me the Nolan Arenado shirt. Um, so maybe you could get me a U Darvish Cubs shirt while you're in Chicago. I'm trying to find these Nick Bosa socks. I'll send them over. I'll send them to you over after so we can end the intrigue. Have a great week up ahead. Spring training games up all week. And uh, I believe Sunday we set the clocks forward. So remember to do that. Otherwise, you're going to be very confused Sunday. With Bryce Holden, my name is Chase Midorski. This is the Underdog Sports Baseball Show. <laughs>